Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is alive and well, baby. Sean Bajani and Clint Sterner, T-Mill, back in the house. Ron Hughley chilling on the couch for one more day. Uh, I imagine uh, he'll See, there be back. You go, man. What? See? What? See there what? You go. I ain't going to let you keep doing not? this to my boy, man. How do you know he's on the couch, man? Why's Ron got to be on the couch? Where else would he Ron's be? Ron's working his ass off, man, taking the kids to the zoo. Working out like a beast. You got my man on the couch with his toes Ain't up. Ain't nobody going to like, the zoo. Like it's 42 degrees outside, Clint. Huh? <laughs> it's no, 42. no, I'm telling you. Ron told me Sunday he got some passes to the zoo. Him and the wife, he may take the kids to the zoo. Now, that's something you can make fun of. Nah. Ron would be the guy, being from Kansas City, he'd come to Houston and then take his kids to the zoo on the coldest damn day of the year. That, that, that would, that'd be something Ron would, would definitely do. <laughs> he might have stepped out with that in mind this morning, but stepped his ass right back in. Five round-ass tennis shoes. You know it, man. You know it. Hey, he's on that. I'm going to tell you, man. I guarantee you, Courtney got his ass up. Them three kids, man. He, he had uh, he had them three kids kind of kind of hold up over Christmas, man, with, with with a little sickness in the house, and they they're all finally healthy. Yeah, hey, yeah. Courtney said, "Boy, you better get your tail up out that bed and get these kids to rolling. <laughs> no, you better get no, out there. No. Yeah, yes, 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 Ron. You better get get your ass out there on that bike with uh with, with Trey. You better work on your your own pedaling right there. I will keep an eye on that, Ronnie. Yeah, I guarantee you, Ronnie's Ronnie doesn't sweat twice today. I guarantee it's two o'clock. He done got him two good sweats in and burnt the extra two hundred and fifty calories, man. I, I know gar- one I for sure. You. He's been on that workout, man. I don't I don't ever put that past him. He's yeah. he's disciplined. I, I, I gained a lot of respect for Ron last week when I saw him bypass all that good looking food, all those drinks, sipping on water, eating salads the whole time. I was impressed. Well, but your little narrow ass can't can't relate to to uh damn sure. What what show's been through in terms of the the inability to to to, to put the grub down? But I, I'm I'm oh, alone. I know how to put the grub down. It I just know, don't stick. It ain't nothing stick to your damn belly button. This some buck looks like he's. I mean, he look like he's about a buck twenty soaking ass wet. <laughs> what are you smiling at, Tyler? Hell, you ain't but about a buck thirty five. <laughs> None of it in my ass. I mean, there ain't, ain't a lick of it in your ass. Ain't, ain't, ain't no doubt about it. All head, all, all head and shoulders. I mean, it is <laughs> unbelievable, man. Oh, I mean, I, I I look at a damn donut and gain five pounds. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Uh, you know, as you get on the uh, other side of forty, as you well know, and you're approaching uh, the big five zero. Got a few years away. Man, I'm 46, man. I'm, 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 I turned 46 Ron? four days ago, man. Will you get? Will you cut me a little slack? Ron had you at 47. Damn, Ron was telling hey, everybody you turned 47. Yeah. 
He had old boy at 47 the other day. Treating you like you treat Dusty Baker with his age. Yeah, y'all, y'all just trying to make me look, make, make me older so, so, y'all, I was, so y'all feel younger. I see what's going on. I was purposefully uh, trying to punk. rub that one in. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, so I, I always feel young around all y'all, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you just... Clay yeah. uh-huh. just pursed his lips at me. I was kind of scared. You what, let's get, let's all get out there. Let's all get out there and get to moving around. See how, see how, how much younger than me y'all songbooks feel. Uh, I'm good. I was just thinking. I wish I could say the same thing, man. I, I kind of feel old around some of you guys, and I shouldn't at all. I don't know why I do. It's a complex. Uh, we've got a great show today. Uh, coming up in the first hour, we're going to visit with Seth Payne. Talk a little Texan football Big with Seth. him. Big Seth. Maybe and see what he thought about the uh, college football playoff games last night. we got a lot to talk about in regards to those. We'll get to here momentarily. C.J. Stroud uh, will meet with the Houston media at 3 o'clock. 340. We'll have it We'll have it in full at 340. Get ready. Yeah, man. Y'all get, y'all, we're going to get a little football horny around these parts. You know, C.J., first time C.J. No, C.J. spoke last week, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He, he spoke did. last week. He did, but this is the first time where it's kind of – all about football. He turns me on every day. <laughs> All about what's next. I'm just glad we don't have to really focus on the concussion thing. How's he feeling? What that was like? How scary was it? Oh, All it's that come mess. Up. I mean, you had. I, I bet John kicks that thing off with some kind of some kind of uh, nah, concussion question. No, John ain't gonna. Have, he don't give a damn about no concussion. No. Booker, but if, if Christy Reekins in the house, which she probably will be, because it's CJ Stroud Day, she'll ask. So, how's your head? How are you feeling? Was it? Are you still scared? Are we yeah. going to get your flowers for sure? <laughs> you know Christy pretty well? Yeah. That's why I'm rubbing it in. Like, she asks all them little softy questions. So, make her, uh, make, make the column she writes warm and fuzzy. You know, she'll get that in there. Maybe even DJ. Who knows? And then he'll ask about, like, some <laughs> weird concocted play and coverage, you know, that uh, he could possibly see. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get all of that for Sorry. My, my favorite, my favorite in, in, the, in the press conference is when you can buy. By the types of questions individuals ask, you can tell what their story is going to be about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, except for me, because hey, CJ, I don't can you really... tell me about that Ohio State game against Georgia last year and how you. Wait a minute, we, we're finna play for the division here. We, yeah. we, we got a game to go to the playoffs here. We, somebody must be writing a story I about CJ's college career. Or, or, or like when we were all wondering where the hell CJ Stroud was and if his head was okay. Yeah. And McLean asked about defensive coordinator Matt Burke. Big Burke. Yeah. Big yeah. Burke getting that love. The only Matt Burke question all season. Yeah, you know. Because McLean's you know, writing a column. McLean's fixing to write a three-pager, man. I He's feel a Hall of Famer. It's I feel fine. so bad. Literally every day I go to work over there because McLean will ask me, Sean, do you know what you're writing about today? And I said, no, sir. <laughs> just I'm going to see how it goes. Whatever question what's I can point, think of. What's the point in hanging around with uh, with Hall of Famers if you're not going to learn from them, Johnny? I just don't know. You just going to do? You just said <laughs> you just said the hell. He's going to do it your way, huh? I, you know, you ain't even going to think. You, you're going to take your ass all the way over and not have any clue what you're going to write about. You're just going to walk in there and get. I kind of feel it out. You know, I don't have a plan. You know, John, I feel like just you know plucks from a hat, you know, as a, gets a little paper ball out of the hat, reads it. And, okay, that's what I'm going to write about today. <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> I'm, asked, I'm asked about five different questions about this topic, get my quotes. And uh, me, I just kind of let it, you know, play I out. I think I'm going to ask See John about that on Friday, Tyler. How does how does he decide what he's going to write about? It's a good question. I'd be interested to hear his answer. 
I'd like to now, ask he, him about me, that, he'll too. He'll give me a three-word answer and then go into the, uh, the, the the defensive line for the Colts or something. I'm sure gears. he'll take that thing and run. Now, he'll take that baton and run with that yeah. damn thing. Now, he ain't no doubt about it. He will. But I would be a Hall of Famer, man. Like, how do you – when you get up in the morning, he obviously has done it extremely well um, for years and years. But, like, what, what – I mean, you get up in the morning with me, what – because some of, some of them are off. They're not what – like, they're, they're not like – Look at the ESPN ticker and the hits of the day are right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He's a storyteller. He's he's very, very thoughtful. But, yeah, how he arrives at them and how he does it so quickly, I would like to know. And so I, I would have asked by then, but I don't want to feel even more inept around him. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, when he's going to just stop asking me, Sean, do you know what you're going to write about today? No. What do you think, John? <laughs> Got any ideas, Big John? <laughs> yeah. Mad dog? Cockamamie idea. <laughs> Help me out here, man. Yeah, shoot me your cockamamie ideas. You keep the real ones, man. I'll write about your cock. I'll, I'll call it cockamamies. <laughs> John McClain doesn't mince words here. All right. Hey, let's get to this, man, because I know you got some thoughts on these uh, games that we watched last night. What a night, man. I'm so glad it didn't it didn't go down like you thought it might. You were looking for a, uh, a pretty – Handed victory, you know, by uh, yep. by Michigan last night. I yep. was glad that one was close. I was kind of expecting the opposite in the second game. If Washington and Penix was able to really get loose, uh, didn't obviously turn out that way. But a couple of great games in that first one. Here's what it sounded like. Game on the line. It's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. Simple things done savagely well, man. I mean, the the most overlooked aspect of the game of football, quarterback center exchange, the snap. And it, it was a problem. It's been a problem all year for Alabama, if we're being honest, but but it was a major problem last night. You just look at that. I mean, there was multiple times in the first half um, where it was an issue. Uh, it was an issue in the first drive. Uh, and, and then you you look at, at exactly how that game ended um, if to me, if Jalen Milrow is able to catch that football upright, keep his eyes up, um, that play is designed to go inside and bounce left. Mm-hmm. It is clearly there. It is a walk-in touchdown. The defensive end coming from the quarterback's left, the edge rusher right there, he gets so far upfield with Jalen Milrow's ability. It's a walk-in touchdown. And the snap is low and right when Jalen Milrow needs to have his eyes up and left. And it totally throws off the timing. A lot of people want to make a lot about that right guard or right tackle that got blown up. Even though he got blown up, it would have been a non-factor. He got his yeah, job he's going, done. He's going to the other side. Yeah, he yeah. got his job done. The only reason it was a factor because when that ball was low, Milrow just literally caught it and and just put his head down and shot straight forward. And so, um, simple things, man. I'm sitting there watching that game, and it's just like, how frustrating do you have to be if you're Nick Saban right now? knowing that that game was altered in a major, major way throughout with a snap. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. do it a hundred times a practice, and it was so bad in the college football playoffs that you gave up five first-half sacks. Several of them were bad snaps. I mean, it, it was it was, <laughs> it was it was bad, and then it bit you when it mattered we're, the most, man. We were here watching the, the first portion of that as we uh, ended the show yesterday, yeah. and uh, I think what? Four rushes, negative 20 yards yeah. for Milrow to start. And 
That's from a guy that you thought was going to get real oh, loose yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, look, I, I thought I thought Milrow was going to go for a buck fifty two hundred yesterday. I, yeah. I, I thought that I thought Milrow was going to be the X factor that ultimately allowed Alabama to win the game. Look, and the game really, to be honest with you, the game went exactly how I thought it was going to go, except for Milrow. Mm-hmm. I thought that that Tommy Reese for Alabama was going to try to throw the football too much, try to ask Milrow to process and distribute and all that crap instead of just taking advantage of his legs, and he did that. The problem was what I didn't see coming was Michigan took what I thought then when that, when that happened, that was going to be the formula for Jalen Milrow to hit creases and, and impact this game in a major, major way because I thought he was the more explosive, more twitchy, uh, faster player than anybody on the field, really. And that was going to be the X factor. Michigan's defensive front was able to literally take Milrow, consistently force him to go backwards, and 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 took major losses early in this game. Um, Milrow ended up getting loose a couple times late to keep that thing interesting. Yeah. Really to keep Alabama kind of ahead late. But um, man, what I thought was going to be the X factor when all that stuff went down that that I thought it would go down just like it did. Yeah. I thought Milrow would be nails in that situation with his athletic ability and uh it was the exact opposite michigan was nails yeah. and then that thing that thing down the stretch sean down the stretch you 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 allowed alabama allowed michigan to do what they've done really all year long and just and and piece something together being more physical J.J. McCarthy made a couple of big-time throws. He was nice, man. Oh, late, he was real the, nice. That that late drive by him and the Wolverines, you know, they convert that fourth and two, and then it was a, it was a hard drive to that point, but they get that fourth and two conversion. Yep, yeah, yeah. Boom, 16 yards. Boom, 29 yards. At that moment, I was like, damn, this is, this is probably the best team. And then, to me, it was hammered home. You talked about that Wolverine D-line, especially late on that goal line stand to end that ball game last night. I don't know his name. Number fifty-five. That sucker. I think he's their uh, the 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 defensive tackle. Yeah, and he's generally playing on the right side. That sucker is a big, strong yeah. dude. Whoever was in front of him, that left guard and left tackle for Bama, they had, yeah. they couldn't deal with that cat man. He yeah. was a he was a game changer, game wrecker. Late. Here's the deal. I I, I really I really believe that that Michigan's a better football team. And and I, I'll be honest with you, I I didn't I wasn't 100 percent sure of that coming in. I thought the athletic ability, the speed, the, the quickness, the explosion of Alabama would be able to overcome Michigan. And in reality, Michigan's physicality, mm-hmm. their size on both offensive line and defensive line. And, and look, let's be honest. When it comes down to it, Michigan outcoached Alabama. When it came down to it, Michigan, whether it was offensive or defensive, late in that ball game, late in the fourth quarter and in overtime, the play calls – and the execution, obviously, but the play calls were absolutely tremendous. And you flip it on, on on the other side, Alabama really struggled down the stretch late in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Yeah, what did Nick Saban have to say about it? Texas. Now we didn't finish the last four minutes of the game. Uh, you know, we had some opportunities to get them stopped on defense. We could have drove the ball down and scored a touchdown, and we just didn't finish the game. And they kind of got the momentum, and you know, so we're all disappointed. Players are very disappointed. But I, I, I told the players, look, you had an amazing season. You know, this team has come as far as any team as I've ever coached in terms of how they improved to put themselves in this position to win the SEC championship. So I don't think you can lose sight of that either. 
I think it's a good way to couch it. I mean, <laughs> I think you're right. The better team won last night. I was just so high and so impressed by the turnaround uh, of that offense and Milrow particularly from going to get benched early this season, come back, finish the season the way that he did. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people talked about it last night, just kind of validation the way you felt after just watching them uh, all season long. One of the better coaching jobs that I think you'd seen from Nick Saban in, in recent years, just given what he had to work with uh, yeah. this season. I, I, I think it was a really good season. You wanted to get there. You want to get to the last game, but uh, Michigan's definitely the better team. Yeah, I, look, I, there's no doubt when you talk about the whole season, I think Saban did a hell of a job. Now, look, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does with Milrow in the offseason and, and what he does with Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, in the offseason. Um, it, it, it's been a long time since we've watched a Saban coached offense not have answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that team, if we're being honest with you, Mil- they, they survived and won and overcame because of Milrose athletic ability. Um, once they committed to him as a starter, it, it was a lot of a lot of it was off script, off schedule. Milro being the better athlete, you know, Milro's got a long way to go in terms of 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 sitting in the pocket and distributing the football accurately and on time and consistently. Um, he's got a long way to go with that, man. Yeah, You're, and and I'm, I I just don't know how comfortable Saban is with saying I'm gonna keep doing this coaching thing and I'm gonna make runs at national titles and I'm gonna I'm gonna fight an uphill battle with a quarterback that his best asset is playing off script, off schedule, and his yeah. speed. Well, it's set January eighth. You've got Michigan against this team, Washington, hanging on to beat mm. Texas last night, thirty seven thirty one. I had everything written, man. It was done. About a minute 45, I started taking my notes, getting everything set for a headline segment today, opening segment, and then, boom, holy crap, interfering with the punter. Boom, holy crap, third down, WTF, where Jordan Whittington come from, 41 yards. Holy crap, an over-the-shoulder, almost no-look 16-yard catch down the right sideline. Holy smokes, one of the best pass deflections I'd seen to end a ball game, too, by that Washington DB Uh, timed it perfectly, jumped as high as he possibly could, swatted that ball out of the air. I don't know if the kid would have got his feet down anyway, but that was one of the best games that I've seen all college football season, man. Great, great great football game. You thought Texas was completely out of it. They somehow get a chance to come back. Even when they weren't playing great, they still get a chance to come back. And I'm going to tell you, boys, Tyler, I don't don't know if you do live betting or not, but I do. I would have bet, I'd have bet Texas heavy first and 10, 20 seconds left on the clock. Four shots at the end zone from the 12-yard line. Mm-hmm. Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, yeah. these receivers they got. I would One of the best play callers in the game today, I would have I bet a large amount of money that Texas would have won that football game, especially from the 12-yard line. If it's a six or seven, everything's con, you know condensed so much, it's hard to spend that 12-yard line. It's a sweet spot. you got 22 yards to work with, the width of the field. you got great play. you got a great play caller. you got a quarterback that, by the way, that kid, he, I, I, he looks like Romo 2.0 to me. The way he throws <laughs> the ball, the way he plays the game, all of it looks like Romo. But, and then um, come up in big moments. Fair. Very very well done, Tyler. I didn't think about that. that I was not setting you up, Quinn. That was Tyler. That was well done. Alley-oop. Um, I would have bet big time, and I'm gonna tell you the most the most um, I mean surprising part of that entire ball game. Be completely honest with mm-hmm. you, is again Texas and Sarkeesian being who he is with that offensive mind. I thought they would have been like 
I mean, dialed in. These are the four plays from the 12 to win the game. These are the four plays we're running. You can't throw it short of the end zone. These are the four plays we're running. They, I, I thought everybody would have known exactly what they're doing. They would have worked on that, I mean, month after month, week after week this season. Mm-hmm. And I was dead ass wrong on that. They looked like they were unprepared for it. Hell, he threw a swing route to the running back that if he gets stopped inbounds, the clock runs out and you're done. Yeah, yeah. I hey. mean, I, I was shocked that Sarkeesian wasn't more prepared for that moment. I... Longhorn Nation, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Asses are back home, sons. Get out of here, man. Get out of here. Back in that. Austin. <laughs> we'll talk a lot more about those ball games coming up throughout the show. Um, Coming up next, big questions heading into the Texans and Colts win or go home game this Saturday evening. 7-15 is the kickoff up in Indy. But what matters more? We'll discuss next at Sports Radio 610. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. The running game of mm-hmm. these guys. They ran the ball well versus us, but now getting all right, Jonathan Taylor back, yep. I think that's where they're going to lean heavy. They, mm-hmm. They're they going to run it. They probably run it more than anybody in the league. So we have to do a really good job of stopping the run. And the quarterback, I think he's just been so efficient. Yep. They don't throw it deep a lot, but when they – scheme up some shot plays they're wide open <laughs> and they're able to make those plays but they're very efficient throwing the ball under 10 yards getting the ball into their playmakers hands about Pittman all right and, and he's able to make some big time plays for them. Texans head coach D'Amico Ryans on Texans radio's coaches show yesterday evening Sean Bajani in for Ron Hughley he's Clint Sterner Tyler Milner producing as always what matters more what matters more? I know the last show, Landry and Lopez on In the Loop, we're talking about Gardner Minshew, you know, how scared of you are of him. You know, is he a guy that intimidates you? And I think we'd all agree that, yeah, you know, not really, not not so much, but you worry about um, how, how he could just be schemed up, how he and the offense could be schemed up against the Texans defensively. I played that cut from D'Amico because, look, he's talking about Jonathan Taylor, a guy the Texans defensively didn't face week two. Uh, that they have a part of their arsenal now. 
uh, running the football much, much better, certainly this time of year. And, uh, you know, deserves as just as much credit as maybe Gardner Minshew does in stepping in since week four or five for the injured uh, Anthony Richardson. But I think there's something else that matters more here. Another angle to this game. And I'm going to ask you, Clint, and you out there, if you'd like to weigh in, 713-572-4610. What matters more, Stroud and a Texans-depleted receiver core versus a depleted Colts secondary? Or the Colts' defensive line against the Texans' offensive line, which could be, could be, on its eighth different combination of starters come Saturday evening. We'll have to wait and see what Laramie Tunsil's status is. He was present at practice, but did not, which over the course of the last 11, 12 weeks has not been an uncommon occurrence for him as he continues on his load management program, but... I asked that specific question, Clint, about what matters more between those matchups because taking a look back at what the Colts have been dealing with in their secondary, they had to place their safety, Julian Blackman, on IR last week. Their corner, Kenny Moore, was ruled out this past weekend against the Raiders due to a back injury. We'll see how this week goes for them. But they got five primary defensive defensive backs that I think have a combined 30 NFL starts under their belt not including Ronnie Harrison, who went from safety to linebacker, and now he's back playing a little safety for him. I think this is prime time, man. If Slowick and C.J. Stroud could get things rolling offensively, the one thing they're going to have to do in my mind to be successful on Saturday is stretch the field. Sure seems like on paper that would bode pretty well. That's one of my bigger keys. What say you? Well, I mean, to your question specifically, which matchup matters more, Texans O-line versus this defensive front or Texans wide receivers versus Indianapolis Colts secondary, um, if if we're just hoping and praying and talking football, I think most people would go with the, the up-front matchup because if you can run the football and protect the quarterback, then, then you can probably win. Mm-hmm. You can probably move the football pretty consistently. Uh, it'll open up the play action game, but but if and that's just talking football. Now, if we're talking specifically about the Texans and we're taking into consideration what the Texans have done well this year and what they haven't done well this year, um, what their strengths and what their real strengths and weaknesses are, like to me, I don't expect them to protect great, and I don't expect them to be able to run the football this week. I don't I don't expect them to do those things against. Above average, def- above average to great defensive fronts. Like I don't think they're going to be able to do that because that what they've shown us all year long. So that leads me to my answer to your question. It's all about this this wide receiver group being depleted, if you will. Um, definitely down Tank, um, possibly down Noah Brown and Robert Woods. We don't know exactly yet. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, but to me, it's all about that that secondary depleted wide receiver group for the Texans versus a very depleted secondary for the Colts. Um, this thing's going to come down to C.J. Stroud being able to spin the rock around the park. Yeah, and and, it's, and if they've got a bunch of dudes in the secondary that that can't cover, then I like C.J. big in in that situation. Yeah. So. Uh, again, I, I know most people just talking football would say, "Well, the defensive line, offensive line—that's clearly the the, you know, the, the the biggest, most important, most impactful part of a game." General football talk, yeah. But I'd say if we look at the Texans, 
if CJ's able to shred, if CJ's able to take shots, I think the most important part of it is is this receiving core, whoever it may be, versus that depleted secondary. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I it, you can't ignore it, and we're going to spend time this week talking about it and and really looking deeper into it. But I, and I don't want to take the Texans' defense for granted. But man, they look to be playing really well, and we know what they've been doing all season long against the run. I mean, to have Derrick Henry do what he's done, not just against your team over the years, but, I mean, he's done it against a lot of guys. He's just tended to do it against the Texans a lot better than most, you know, where he had, uh, what, five straight games of 150-plus yards before this season, and you held him to fewer than 100 yards combined, fewer than 62 yards combined uh, in two games this season. It's been fantastic. But I can almost, I feel like I can almost rest my hat on that. I feel like these are the biggest uh, storylines going into the game from a football sense. You look at that Colts defensive line, DeForest Buckner, that guy's been a beast all season long. A couple of their defensive ends, Samson uh, Ebicom and uh, Quiddy Pay, they've combined for 18 sacks, a ton of quarterback hits. Ebicom alone, I think he's got the second highest PFF grade on his team, probably next to DeForest Buckner, and potentially against a Texans offensive line, Clint, that it may not be the most banged up. Say you get Laramie Tunsil back. Say he's healthy, quote-unquote, for Saturday. The guy's got knee issues. The guy's got a groin issue now. Uh, We know what he looked like. You know, a few weeks back against Josh Allen, he got his ass handed to him. You know, a number of times, Charlie Heck had his worst game out of any player that played the position with regularity at right tackle in the NFL this season against the Cleveland Browns, gave up a ton of pressures. And now you're talking about facing this Colts defensive line with, you know, Buckner on the interior and Pay and Epicom, you know, on the edges, and not to mention their backups. I mean, they're pretty damn good, too. Uh, That concerns me because... Before C.J. Stroud went out with concussion against the Jets, he was running around all over the place. I don't know if being able to take advantage of a inexperienced Colts secondary, if that happens on Saturday, necessarily is a great thing for the Texans offensively because they haven't really hit their stride without Tank Dell in the mix, and he's been out for a while. Yeah, look, I, I we've heard the one thing we've heard from D'Amico all year long. I, I think is 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 really really good foot defensive football speak is if your coverage isn't married to your rush, if it's not in sync with your rush and vice versa, then it's hard to play defensive football. You can be really good up front, but if if you can't cover down in the secondary, then the quarterback gets the ball out quick. Receivers win early. Um, there's a lot of run after catch, um, and it it nullifies the 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 pass rush a lot of the times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you can't do those things, teams they they choose to throw it more instead of trying to run it into that strong front. And so, um, I, I just when you got a depleted secondary, I just don't know that you're going to to be able to force the quarterback to hold the football the way you want to. Yeah. So that your defensive front that is dominant gets home. Like I said, they're going to get theirs. And the Texans, I don't believe, are going to run the football effectively consistently. Um, we've seen that all year long when they've played better opponents. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see that again. This thing's going to be put in C.J. Stroud's hands. And I like C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins um, versus a beat-up secondary. 
uh, given that circumstance. He's Clint Sterner, Sean Bajani, T-Mill behind the glass. 713-572-4610. Bill in the 713 says, I'm concerned about the DBs. They give up a lot of chunk plays. Yeah, the Texans give up the most chunk plays or near the most chunk plays. I think they're like third in the NFL now of 20 or more yards in the air all season long as it stands. And it's a little bit of it's bolstered now with Kareem Jackson. He only played in 15, 19 snaps, whatever it was this past weekend. But I don't know. I, I could feel worse. I think we all could feel worse about the Texans' secondary. But, yeah, that's certainly uh, an issue no matter what quarterback is back there because we've seen some lesser quarterbacks uh, dice the Texans up and hit them for chunk plays uh, throughout the season. Desmond Ritter, Zach Wilson, hopefully you don't add Gardner Minshew's name to that. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by original Texan and one of the P's out of Payne and Pendergast. Seth Payne's going to join us to talk all things Houston Texans coming up next at Sports Radio 610. Tyler Milner just texted me and said, what's up, cracker? <laughs> Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. Sean Bajani in for Ron Hughley alongside Clint Sterner, T-Mill producing... 713-572-4610 if you want to hit us up via the text. Right now, we're joined by original Texan Seth Payne, one of the P's out of Payne and Pendergast. Uh, Seth, my man, good to talk with you, dude. Um, hey, I, I didn't get a chance to listen much this morning, and I, I'm sure by now you've probably gone back and watched uh, this past weekend's game, Texans and Titans. I'm curious, from you, looking at Will Anderson, you only had 12 snaps to look at. The guy yeah. gave you a hell of production he was impactful. He stepped on the throat in the first half of those back-to-back sacks. What did you see from him when you rewatched that game, and how do you see him possibly being able to affect what the Colts do up front offensively? I, I thought the really cool thing about Will Anderson's two sacks were that each of them addressed an issue that he's overcome from earlier in the season. So that first sack that he had, there was a chip block out of the back in the backfield. And the first time I watched it, my first instinct was to criticize the back for not putting in a good chip. But Will actually just anticipated it really well and ended up splitting the splitting between the running back and the offensive tackle and getting a sack. Like It, it made it look easy. That's something that he didn't necessarily anticipate early in the season. There were a few games early on where, man, he had a good rush going, but then he was just stopped cold in his tracks by a chip block. The The second is when tight ends give that jab at the line of scrimmage um, before, before they go out on their routes. That would screw him up early in the season. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of times where, man, like he could have had a good down, but he just kind of got stopped in his tracks because of that stuff. That second sack this past weekend – it looked this one did end up looking lazy by the tight end, but it was because Will anticipated it and kind of took his shoulder and his midsection away from the tight end before he could get the shot in. He stepped inside and then stepped back outside after the tight end was gone and got a speed rush around the end. So he talked about it afterwards, and it was really cool because he kind of he said, you know, like everybody was saying good stuff, but like a double team rate and all that, but like that doesn't matter. You got to produce. Like so his. His standards were much higher than just show that you're in, that you're having an effect because realistically, and, and he knows this, and this is what I would I, I was saying this in the beginning of the season. I was getting frustrated because people thought I was criticizing him or not acknowledging him for for doing well. But it was the same thing he was thinking. Look, Micah Parsons 
gets double teamed a lot, but he also gets sacks. You know, Nick Bosa gets double teamed a lot. He gets sacks. If you're going to be a genuinely great pass rusher, it's not enough to just get double teamed. You got to get sacks. And on both those, he had two people trying to block him and he made it look like a non-factor. So that was really cool. That's great to hear from you as well, Seth, because I mean, to me, that's the that is that is the reality of playing the edge position in the NFL is there is there is one stat that that sits well and above uh, in the eyes of really everybody, including the players. Um, anything else that you can do, you can be great everywhere else. If you're going to be that game changing, I mean, market setting deal kind of defensive end or edge rusher, you got to get home, and he got home in a big way. Seth also on that. And I hadn't watched the all twenty two yet, but but I, it seemed like that second sack that he got, he won with his hands as much as he won with anything. And, and I ask you this because I, it seems like to me that the where Will Anderson can improve like drastically from year one to year two is ultimately filling out his toolbox, getting more pass rush um, uh, uh, tools, if your weapons, if you will. Um, did you see him use his hands one, and 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 how do you feel about how much better he can get in that in that toolbox area? Yeah, I think that there's a couple things about that because he, he's been willing to use his hands. Um, I think there's some of it where he didn't necessarily always trust his speed rush around the outside, and sometimes you know it's a matter of committing to it, even if it feels like you're going to get run. And then also, you know, he has that ability to come back inside to offset it. So it's a, it's, it's kind of like James Harden being able to go to the hoop really fast when he was in his prime before he gained all that weight, um, or hit you with a step back. <laughs> like you got to be able to go inside or outside, and that's where that's when the magical stuff can really start happening. I think he's, and he talked about this in the post game too. He's got a better feel right now of how to work the angles and the edges because that was another thing that would happen early on was there were times where he was either taking a, a route that was too direct, you know, right at the offensive tackle, or sometimes he was running straight up field and getting washed. Like he's got a much better feel and understanding for where the offensive lineman wants him to be. You know, like when you're lined up out there on the edge, you want to you want to be taking an approach in a path that makes the offensive lineman as as uncomfortable as possible. And there were times where especially against the better guys, the better offensive tackles, he was making it real comfortable for those guys early in the season. And um that's that's been that's been the fun part because you know, he's I compare him to Nick Bosa in some ways. You know, obviously it's not a perfect comparison, but I think athletically they're about the same. The big difference is that Nick Bosa has spent more time since high school as just a pure defensive end, and he's just gotten more muscled up and bulked up, I think. I think Will can still gain 5 or 10 pounds of muscle, um, but when it comes to using the speed that he does have, He's just got to maximize everything, and you know, and he can't he can't waste any footsteps. He's got to have the angles perfectly because he's not as blisteringly fast as a Michael Parsons. But if you watch like Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa takes like three gigantic steps off the line of scrimmage. I'm doing, I'm miming it. No, you wish you guys could see me. Um, <laughs> so like he gets every little bit of speed that he has, and he gets he gets five yards past the line of scrimmage in those three steps, and then he turns in and uses all that power of his. And like, I, I see will being that same guy. He's a combo power and speed guy. So he's got to really be sure he ties those two things together. Seth, I just asked the question uh, last segment. We had a conversation about it, about what matters more to you, a depleted 
receiver core for the Texans against a depleted secondary for the Colts this weekend or a Colts D-line versus a very um, imbalanced Texans offensive line right now with a little bit in flux regarding Laramie Tunsil's health and Charlie Heck still being at right tackle. I'm kind of curious. I won't ask you that question, but I am curious if you think Charlie Heck, who started the last three games for the Texans at right tackle, regardless if we see Tunsil or Fance, you know, at left tackle remains to be seen. But how well do you think the Texans offensive line can hold up match up against the likes of Samson Abukam, Quiddy Pay, Tyquan Lewis and uh, Odie Yangbo? They are all beastly on that D line and on the edge for the Colts. I think they they need to be able to hold up really well for like two point two seconds. So if they can give us it, give me two point two seconds, and and then I'll be okay. And then beyond <laughs> that, I like honestly, I think one of the one of the things that was interesting last week and might be a silver lining to Beck's injury was that I like in the first half I thought Brevin Jordan did a pretty acceptable job as a fullback, and what that might do is maybe open up. Some more versatility um, and unpredictability by keeping heavier personnel in, keeping a fullback, keeping tight ends or multiple tight ends in. And there's going to be times where you max protect, but also you've got multiple tight ends in there that that can release on routes. And I think they're going to they're going to have to get super creative um, as long as the game is close. If they can control, if the Texans can control it with their run game, and that's. I, that's very achievable, given the way that Singletary has been running, and the Colts are not nearly as good on run defense as they are um, as pass rushers. I think that's the key. That's I mean, it's boring and it's cliche and all that, but the only thing the Colts really do really well is rush the passer, and usually they do it really well when they have a lead. So if you can keep if you can keep a lead yourself and keep the game closer and on the ground, it, it's much less of a factor. Hey, Seth, what is what kind of statement did it make to you uh, by the league in in uh, flexing this Texans game to Saturday night primetime? I think uh, I mean part of it is part of it's just that it's one of the only really good relevant games between winning teams that that really matters and has just such big you win and you're in I mean this is the playing round basically for these two teams so there's that but I think you know we were talking about this this morning we asked Ross Tucker this actually if you look at the two teams and you think about okay first time head coach in his first year with the team uh, they both drafted rookie quarterbacks. Both were not expected to do really well. Um, but then the the Colts lost their first-round pick at quarterback, and yet they've got identical records. It's kind of weird because the Texans are the darlings of the league right now. I mean, a lot of people are really intrigued by the Texans, and the Colts are pretty much an afterthought. I think that it's as simple as C.J. Stroud. I think there's so many people, you know, you know, you guys hear these, all these different commentators, former coaches and GMs that are just so blown away by how good C.J. is and how ahead of his, you know, how, how uh, wise beyond his years he is in so many respects mm-hmm. that I think he's just captivating. And I think, I think that you look at the games right now, I think there are a lot of people that are super curious about C.J. Stroud. Seth, I appreciate you joining us, man. It's good to chop some ball up with you, and uh, we'll look forward to listening to you the rest of this week, dude. All right, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. I appreciate you. Seth Payne from Payne and Pendergast spending a little time with us. Sean Bajani in for Ron Hugley. That's me. He's Clint Sterner. Tyler Milner producing. Coming up next, it's the Big 3 at 3. We'll give you the Texans practice report, who was there, who wasn't there, and a lot more. That's next at Sports Radio 610. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.